Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Talk Show. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. What a week of football we got for you. A lot of news, both in the college world and the NFL world. Where do we start? Uh, we don't go with Odell Beckham. We were talking about him last week. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, earlier in this uh, today, it's reported that he's likely going to sign with the Los Angeles Rams. And, I mean, as if that team couldn't get any better, <laughs> they add yet another superstar uh, to join Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, Matthew Stafford. Boy, that team is loaded. And look, I mean, I've had my criticism of Odell in the past. I was the one that said last year the Browns are better off without Baker Mayfield plays better when Odell's not in the lineup. Everyone said I was crazy, but, you know, look how that turned out. It was true. And you look at him last week, I think the Browns are just fine. That was addition by subtraction. Needed to get him out of the building. Uh, the Rams, on the other hand, I think now this is the first time in Odell's career, and this is why I think it's going to work for both sides. Because we all know Odell Beckham Jr. is talented, but this is the first time he has a, a competent quarterback that I think has accomplished stuff in the league. Like, Matthew Stafford's been in the league a long time. He's by far the best quarterback Odell's played with. Uh, I think at this point, he's played with Megatron. He's played with receivers that are better than Odell. If he tells Odell, hey, you run this route or whatever, you got to do something, Odell's going to do it. Where before he was playing with Daniel Jones... Old Eli Manning. He never played with this. Matthew Stafford at this point in his career is the best quarterback that Odell's ever played with. Um, you know, Baker hadn't really done anything in the league, so I think uh, he'll be more inclined to listen to him more. And two, they don't really need him. I mean, like they could easily get rid of him if things go awry. I think for the Rams right now, I heard this concern: like, what are the Rams doing? They're giving up all their draft picks. They're gonna have no future. And they're gonna have no money. So what? Like, you know how hard it is to win a Super Bowl? You don't get many opportunities at these things. The Super Bowl windows close quick. It is hard to have a dynasty. We all thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be a dynasty. Look at them this year. They might not even make the playoffs. I mean, the Patriots, what the Patriots did, it's hard to do. And even that, it was spread out. They didn't win every year. So uh, when you have the chance to win a Super Bowl, you take it. And this Rams team's going all in. And now if you look at that roster, they really have... Where's the weakness on that roster? Position group. I mean, anyone that you draft in the next couple of years... It's probably going to be a backup anyway. <laughs> like You're just drafting for depth. They, they're set almost everywhere. Secondary, phenomenal. Their linebacking core is tremendous. They, uh, you know, their offensive line, Andrew Whitworth, you get Sony Michelle and Cam Akers will be returning next season. I mean, they, they're set everywhere. They don't need any draft picks. They think they have an opportunity to win this year. They're going all in. I, I salute them. I think that's what it is. I like it. I think it's smart. Uh, they did this a couple. We saw them do this a couple of years ago too, when they got Nadama Kinsu at the trade deadline, uh, and they made a couple pickups and Jalen Ramsey as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's smart. I think it's smart. I think Odell's a good fit there. That offense is going to be insane. They're going to compliment Cooper Cup well, and uh, I think he'll finally have a quarterback that they can listen to. It's that that he'll listen to. It's the best quarterback Odell's played for. So I see this thing working out. Um, you know. And if it doesn't, like I said, I mean, they, it's not like they, they can get rid of him. It's not like they need Odell Beckham Jr. I think he realizes at this point, it's like, hey, you, you've been kind of the problem. I would hope he has a self-awareness to realize, like, look, I've been kind of the problem on these past couple teams, especially with the Browns. Like, they play better without you, dude. Like, I hear all this, like, oh, we got to free Odell, free Odell. It's like, for what? He's being he's being a diva. They can't handle this stuff like a man. So, you know, that I think that'll work out for the Rams. Tough, uh, you know, good luck to Odell there. Maybe he can finally... Uh, Make a playoff game. Although, if they do make the playoffs this year, like, oh God, hopefully he doesn't take a boat trip. I mean, that would be a little concerning. <laughs> One playoff game they played it. He's out on a boat the day before. So, you know, don't do that. I know LA had a lot of distractions out there. So, you know, try keeping it out. Because there's really no excuse. Like, And this is the other thing, too. I think all the pressure here is on Odell Beckham Jr. Because, like, now you're out of excuses. 
Now York got rid of you. Cleveland essentially said, we're done with you. So, like, when there's smoke, there's fire here. Like, you're, you're the part of the problem. So, with, with the L.A., you better be on your best behavior because if you're not, then people are going to realize this and be like, hey, do we really want to waste our time with them? Probably not. Uh, other big news today, Cam Newton returning to the NFL. He's joining the Panthers. Boy, I feel bad for Sammy Darnold. Poor Sammy. And I will stand. I will die on this hill. I think Sam Darnold, it, when he was drafted, it was a great college prospect. The Jets ruined this man's career. Playing those three years with the Jets absolutely shattered his confidence. He's a shell of himself. And even when it looked like he was going good with Carolina, I mean, like, Carolina wasn't a great situation either. Like, people forget. It's not like their offensive line was in shambles. Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. I think he was playing hurt a decent amount because he kept getting hit and they kept asking him to run. But the lack of development in his first three years working with Adam Gase and those shoddy Jets teams, I think, just ruined the trajectory of career. We'll never know what the Sam Darnold could be. I think it's safe at this point to say he's probably his career as a starter, it's it's in jeopardy. I don't think you know he's ever going to be the prospect we all thought he was coming out of college. Some may even say bust. Um, but I stand by. If he was drafted to a different team, Imagine like his career. Say he was like in Mac Jones situation. He went to a good team like the Patriots with a stable organization, good coaching. I think that that could have been that could have been something. But as of now, he's hurt. Probably gonna lose his starting job. Cam Newton back on the Panthers. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. I don't think it really makes him a contender. Like we already know what Cam Newton is. We saw him last year with the Patriots. His arms basically shot. He's not pushing the ball downfield. Like you saw, Robbie Anderson was frustrated with. Um, Sam Darnold on the sideline. I mean, it's not going to get much. It's not much more of an upgrade with Cam Newton, like, throwing-wise. Can't push the ball downfield all that much, and we'll see how durable he is if they're going to make him run the ball because that's what he's best at. So we will see. I don't think that moves moves the needle more. I think that says more about Sam Darnold than it does the, the, uh, the Carolina Panthers in general. Uh, college football ranks. Uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers, they decided they wanted to uh, extend, they restructured the deal with Scott Frost and Trevor Alberts made it known, the Nebraska uh, Cornhusker athletic director, that hey, we're sticking with Scott for another couple years. Um, and, you know, I've had my criticism of Scott Frost. I actually do think this is a good move. I mean, let's be honest. At this point in Nebraska, they're no longer a national brand. No college kids give a rat's ass about the 1990s and the glory days of Bob, De Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne. They're also not allowed to inject players with steroids anymore without getting caught. So, you know, but Tom Osborne's team, we're all roided up. But we don't have to go there. doesn't matter. They, so they, they're not a national brand anymore. Not even close. You lost your Texas pipeline when you move conferences. They're in, definitely in the wrong conference, which also hampered them because the last time they were go is Bo Pelini years and they were in the Big 12, and they can recruit from Texas. Now they cannot. They only have seven players on the roster currently from Texas. Most of the best high school football players come from Texas. So that's also a disadvantage. So there's a lot of disadvantages in there. He inherited a program from Mike Riley that was kind of in shambles. The weight, the, they, they were outclassed strength and conditioning wise. So it, it, it's going to take time to rebuild rebuild this thing. Is there some things I think he should have done differently? Yeah, but when you're in Nebraska at this point, you got to realize you're not, there's no, you're not getting a better coach out there. Like there's no upgrades you're going to get coaching wise. This is kind of the best you're going to do. So you better make it, you make it work. Especially also because he's one of your own. Won a national championship with him as a quarterback there. If you're firing him, then all these other coaches are going to see them. Like, why the hell would I want to go there? They just fired one of their <laughs> former legends after so. And I think because they've shown significant improvement this year. Now, yeah, they're losing a lot of close games. But if you look how they played against good competition, they played four teams ranked inside the top ten. Went to Norman, played Oklahoma tough. Probably should have won that game. Michigan comes in. Another game. 
probably should have won. Actually, they should have won if they didn't fumble near the end. Uh, Michigan State definitely should have won that game. They, they didn't let Michigan State pick up a first down in the second half uh, of that game, and then they literally throw it away in overtime. They let a punt return to tie it, and then they gave up uh, an interception in overtime, so that's another one they should have won. Ohio State, they're with them all the way, too, and then they, they you give up. They're not making field goals. They don't have a kicker, so uh, and because they made improvements, I think that's the right move uh, if you're if you're Nebraska because you're not getting anyone better. Improvements have been made. I gave them two more years. Now, next year, you better make a bowl game. Like, you're not making a bowl game then, all of a sudden. Eh? But if Smart for Off, both sides realize they're realist here. Trev Alberts, you're like, listen, some improvements being made. They do look physical. Coach Day for Ohio State even said, like, that was the scariest team they faced all year on their schedule. They, they, they defensively, it's a strong defensive team. Um, so, because of that, you know, the progress being made, let's, let's, let's run it back another year. We'll see what we can do. It's a six year re six year rebuild. And Frost realizes, hey, listen, look at my record. I'm lucky to still have a job here with this record. Most places I would be fired. I'll take a little bit of a pay cut. We can get some new assistant coaches in here. <laughs> some of the guys they fired, too, by the way. The, the, the quarterback coach they fired, the, the Verduzzo or whatever, everyone's like, oh, he's a quarterback whisperer. Adrian Martinez has not developed at all since his freshman year. Tremendous talent that kid has, but, yeah, I think it was time to first switch there. So if that was, I think, that in the college football world, that was big, big news there. So I think Nebraska made the right decision. Um, he, he deserves to keep his job a little bit longer. Uh Big the rankings came out as well. Uh, top four teams, uh, you know, honestly the top four is pretty good. Uh, I can't complain too much with it. Uh, you got Georgia number one, obviously Alabama number two. Eh, they looked a little shaky, but it's Alabama. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Seven to one. Then you got Ohio State and Oregon three and four. Now the top four is fine. Where you get a little bit of problems here is Michigan, who just lost to Michigan State. Uh, they. I don't see this. Is what I'm what, Michigan, who lost to Michigan State, is ranked ahead of Michigan State, which does make it baffling to me. Because why play the games if like they're just showing that the games don't matter? Like the system is flawed. The college football, like the committee, whoever's on there, it, it's kind of it's screwing. It's a little screwing. Like they're minimizing what games mean. Like Cincinnati's undefeated. How come they are not in the top four? They're minimizing the importance of games. And I've always been against expanding the college football playoff, but if you're going to rig it and make buy, like the structure of it right now is not good, where I feel like if you're not even going to get that right and like rank teams appropriately, then what do we do? Like Penn State's not ranked right now. Wisconsin is. They beat Wisconsin. What the hell is going on here? Auburn's ranked. Penn State isn't. Penn State beat Auburn. What the hell is going on here? And I'll tell you what it is, especially with Auburn. They want to make these SEC teams like Alabama look a lot better. Mississippi State's another team. They're ranked for some odd reason. They got waxed in their first game of the season against some sisters of the poor team. I forget who it is off the top of my head. But you know what? Alabama beat them. They have a ranking next to the name. Makes their resume look all that much better. So this is what they're doing here. They're trying to create a false narrative. And then they get on there and try to defend it. They look like a bunch of bumbling idiots. So... I, I have some problems with that. I might start changing my mind. I Especially if, like, if you're not going to get the structure of it right, then you might have to expand the college football playoff to, to fix it. I'm still not a fan of it, but at this point, I didn't realize how bad it would be with this committee. they got to diversify the committees or something. They, like, something needs to be changed here for college football. All right, now I'm going to talk. This was frustrating. This was frustrating. Monday night. I sit down to watch the Chicago Bears face off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the first half, it was a typical Bears game. Lack of offense. Defense looks like shit. Looks like we're about to get blown out. 
Second half of Stormy Cart coming to life. And then Ref Ball gets in the way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There was... Well, where do you even start? Justin Fields couldn't get a call to save his life. The man's getting run over. He slides and gets a late hit. Can't draw a call. Ben Roethlisberger's getting all these calls. They took away six points on a touchdown. That was the most frustrating call for me of the night. Was they, they threw a touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham, and they called the guy outside the tackle box. It clearly was. I mean, you can look at the footage. You saw it, and then, the, uh, then there's that Marsh gets called for taunting for staring at the other team's bench. It was not taunting. The guy's a practice squad player. Like That's what we're going to call taunting, taunting now. So this is like the NBA-level softness. And then the ref gives him a hip check for good measure. Like, the Bears got robbed. If you count up all the total penalties and what it cost them, the refs gifted the Steelers 10 points, and yet the Bears are still somehow in position to win that game. So, well, it's frustrating to lose. Here's my takeaway from it. The next morning, waking up, would you rather be a Bears fan or a Steelers fan? Because... The Steelers, like the Bears, we know we're not going anywhere. We're not contenders this year. We never really were. We knew that coming into the year. This year was all about developing Justin Fields. All about Justin Fields. And Justin Fields looked really, really good. The one throw he made to Cole Komet over the middle where he took a lick, or they, Jimmy Graham, excuse me, up the seam, stands in the pocket, takes a hit, threaded the needle between two defenders. That was one of the best throws I've seen all year. And Mr. Bisky's not making that throw. Andy Dalton's not making that throw. That was a special throw. Then he had another big throw to Allen Robinson late in the game. Heck, even the last drive went 25 seconds left. No timeouts. He did all he could. He got him in the field goal range for a 65-yard field goal. It's not his fault that clock was mismanaged and they didn't have a timeout. He did his job there, too. Let two get one. He let a game go-ahead drive. And then he got him in position to try and steal a win. He looked excellent. Ran at the right time, was decisive. That is what a franchise quarterback looks like. The Bears have found their franchise quarterback. That was a great game for his development. I think it's a great game for his confidence. So as a Bears fan, I'm waking up. I am happy with that. Now you got the Steelers on the flip side who have some dinosaurs quarterback. They got no no uh no real, what do you call it, exit strategy from there. Like they don't have a replacement lined up. They're not gonna have a good draft pick next year because they're gonna win too many games. The defense looks very shoddy. They shouldn't have won that game against a bad Bears team. Like, honestly, they really shouldn't have. The Bears got screwed there. The Steelers look like a bunch of frauds. Like, so, I mean, comparing the two sides, because the Steelers aren't going anywhere either, I'd rather be a Bears fan waking up the next morning. Despite the loss. It was frustrating, yeah, but you found your franchise quarterback. That He looks like that guy. And there's going to be some ups and downs, but he looked good. But you know the most frustrating thing about that is, is I think Justin Fields, and I think he even said it too, you realize that... Because he's been getting better each week. There's been improvements slowly each week. He's learning by playing. He learns better when he's on the field, learning by experience, than he was watching with the clipboard. But what's so frustrating about that is Matt Nagy was so hung up on Andy Dalton before the season. Oh, Andy. we got you know, He's got to learn from Andy. He took away a lot of Justin Fields' reps, and the first chance he got, he immediately bailed ship and went straight to Justin Fields. So, not only is he not learning from Andy Dalton, but now you robbed him of a bunch of reps that he could have had earlier in the year with the first team and in preseason and whatnot, and he just got robbed of that. So, that's also set his development back a little bit. So, I think from both standpoints, that was kind of bungled, but, I mean, overall, positive Monday night game, despite the, the crappy calls, and yeah, it would have been nice to have the win, but they're they're close. You get him on offensive line, you re-sign the Allen Robinson. They, they, that progress is being made. Which I can, I am fairly, I'm pretty happy about, happy about that. Cannot complain too much. Um, 
Let's see what else we got here on the agenda. Oh, Scott Boris making some noise. He is complaining a lot, as as one Scott Boris does. Uh, that you know, tanking's ruining the MLB. All these teams, you know, that uh, these teams are they're just the integrity, the integrity of sports gone. And I, you know, I agree with Scott Boris. He was saying his position was tanking ruined it because they literally tanking teams. Help the Braves, who had no business winning the World Series. They had a losing record. They were they were below 500 at the, the halfway point of the season, late with the for start of August, game under 500. But then all of a sudden, you start making these trades with all these tanking teams that have good assets to give up, and because so many teams are tanking, they can get oh, we'll take a Jock Peterson here, thank you. We'll take an Eddie Rosario over here, thank you very much. We'll take a Jorge Soler from over here, thank you very much. Now all of a sudden, you got a good roster, competent roster. That made them a World Series team because of all these teams that were tanking. And I agree. And you know what the solution to this is? I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm always for don't expand the play. But I think you add an extra playoff team like they did in those that 60-game uh, season. With the extra playoff team, you do the wild card round instead of the wild card series. Now, all of a sudden, you have a lot more of these mid-tier teams that are instead of, hey, we're selling at the deadline. We can't win it. Hey, we can get in the playoffs. We have more incentive to try. Let's not get rid of all these players. Let's 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 hang hang in there. I think that helps fix the tanking problem, and then you have legitimate teams winning the World Series because the Braves were like I mean overall I mean they, they did win the World Series, but that was a that, that was a team that was bought at the trade deadline. Good moves by the GM by the way, uh, and that that helped them the victory. But the mid season was that a team on paper that looked like a World Series team? No, they're below 500. If you're below 500 at the trade deadline, you shouldn't you have no business winning the World Series. But all these tanking teams because they're in that bad division helped them out. And that is, that is how that worked. Another interesting thing, you Cubs fan, free agency out there altogether. Some interesting things of note. The Giants are probably not going to re-sign Chris Bryant. There is a report that they found him very underwhelming. The defense, they don't think his swing is uh, sustainable over the course of a season. So he's probably out of San Francisco. And the place I keep hearing is Seattle for Chris Bryant. Because he likes it. That side of the country, Seattle has a boatload of clams to spend this offseason. Uh, I think you could use a versatile player like Chris Bryant, so I think it'll be a natural fit, too. If Crawford's playing shortstop there, most likely, but you get third base, a little bit of a hole, you can put him in the outfield. They have a lot of money to spend, and they were close last year. You could see them knocking on the doorstep. That's a hungry team, a 90-win team, I think will be intriguing for Chris Bryant. He gets to stay on that half of the country. Watch out for Seattle to make some noise. The other player I heard was Javi Baez. I don't think so. I actually think Javi's, you want my opinion, I think Javi might be going back to uh, the Chicago Cubs. He liked it in Chicago. There's only two teams that I think really, I think it's either going to be a reunion with the Mets and the Cubs. The Mets don't make much sense to me. He didn't like playing in New York. I mean, that's no secret. He was doing the thumbs down thing when he got on base. The fans were booing him. He wasn't doing no thumbs down when he was with the Cubs. He liked it in Chicago. Chicago was very close on a deal, contract extension before COVID hit. He wanted to stay. So they showed their interest. They wanted to keep him around. Uh, I think he comes back to Chicago. It makes a lot of sense. He likes it there. They're close on a deal. And they're not throwing in the towel. You saw they just signed Wade Miley. So I think that's a possibility. But uh, watch out for Seattle with Chris Bryant. I think that's going to be a scary team. I'm interested to see what they do this offseason because that's a, that's a team that Really, on paper, you look at them, they didn't look like that good of a roster, but, I mean, they were no fluke. That's a tough division they had against the Astros and whatnot, and they almost made the playoffs. So, the uh, by the way, also, the A's are selling, too, which sets them up even better. So, 
they could be good. Mariners going to the postseason last next season. Yeah, honestly, I would not be would not surprise me. I am not sleeping on the Mariners heading into next year. We'll see what they do though. Um, we'll see what they do this offseason. All right, how about some free money? Last week, winning week, we were two and one. We got the Cardinals right. Uh, we got the the, the the Saints were the ones that messed us up. But we had the Patriots right, and we had the Cardinals right. So let's get into it this week. I like the Denver Broncos over the Philadelphia Eagles, minus two and a half. I have not sold on the Eagles. I've never been sold on the Eagles. I don't think Jalen Hurts is that great. I mean, sure, he's mobile. He's okay. He's showing some flashes. But overall, I don't think this is that good of an Eagles team. Uh, facing a pretty good Broncos team. Broncos, look, they're just solid overall. They're just solid overall roster. Anyway, you cut it. Have they over underperformed in certain spots? Yes. Is the defense a little overblown? Yes. But, you know what? They're allowing just 70 points per game, which is second in the NFL, behind the Bills. They limited a very explosive Cowboys team, who was arguably the best team in the NFC behind maybe the Bucks and the Rams. Uh, they're right up there. It's a very Super Bowl contender, these Cowboys. They went into Dallas and they curb stomped them. They limited the Cowboys to just 16 points and 290 yards. It's pretty impressive. And they had Dak there, too. And that was without Vaughn Miller. So then you're playing an Eagles team, which is not nearly as good, which I like. And their defense is a little shoddy. Broncos, a lot of weapons. I think Teddy Bridgewater, he doesn't turn the ball over. This is a very good spot for them. It should be a close game, but two and a half, that's a field goal. I'll take that any day. I'm hammering the Broncos. Minus two and a half. All right, let's get into it. Some dogs here. Browns over the Patriots. I'm taking the Browns plus two and a half. You're getting points. I think it's a better team. It's a better roster. I'll take Baker Mayfield over Mac Jones in the quarterback route. And Mac Jones has been good, but uh, that offense was struggling a little bit to move the ball. Uh, I think that with the defense the Browns have, that's kept them in a couple games. And I think now that the Odell cloud is no longer hanging over their head and they don't have to answer questions about that and deal with that drama, I think Baker's kind of free. And you saw it last week. He was playing loose. He was uncorking bombs to Donovan Peoples-Jones. They got a running game so they can beat you on two sides of the ball, which I think will keep the Patriots' pass rush, which is really their strength. Keep them off balance here because it's a very good running team uh, with the Browns that can run the football. Uh, so that's why I like the Browns. You're getting points. They're tr desperately trying to stay in the playoff race there. Big game for them. They're going to treat it as such. The team playing with desperation. I'm going with the Browns. Plus two and a half over the Patriots. Finally, and this one's a little wild card one here. We're going with another dog. The Minnesota Vikings. Plus three over the Chargers. Uh, this is going to be another one that's a close game. But the Vikings, if you look, they always play close games. They always play close games. Now, this is one where I could see them losing by a field goal to, to the Chargers. It could be a close one. But uh, the, we'll start here. The Chargers coming off an emotional win last week. They needed a game-winning drive to beat the um, Eagles, who, as I mentioned, not that great of a team. Uh, it came down to the wire against them. Vikings, meanwhile, they're in uh, Baltimore. That was a game they should have won. They coughed it up at the end there. Frustrating for them. Kirk didn't have his best game. He was held under 190 yards. I don't think that happens too often with him. He's very he's very consistent quarterback. Uh, you know, he's no world beater, but he's always been pretty consistent. I don't think he strings together that many bad games in a row. Uh, it's a little bit of an easier Chargers defense, too. And the Vikings defense, look, I mean, as bad as Bashad Breeland's been, and he's been pretty bad. Jesus, uh, I'm trying to smoke Tektra. All right, there we are. 
You know, this is one of the drawbacks about living in a fraternity house. Everything's falling apart. We had a fire inspection the other day. We failed that. It's a zoo over here. The smoke detector's not working. It's randomly beeping. Or maybe it's not random. Maybe there's just CO2 in here and it's trying to alert me, but... You know, I haven't passed out yet, so kicking out the battery. Wish me luck. Anyway, now that the tampering with the fire inspection is uh, kind of... Uh, where were we? Yes, Vikings over the charges. So listen, the Vikings defense... Look, they... The defense leaves a lot to be desired, but they're actually pretty solid against the pass. They, they picked off Lamar Jackson twice last week, and they held him to seven yards per attempt. Uh, I think Lamar's a little bit better at this point in his career than Justin Herbert. And the Vikings' defense has been past defense. They've been good this season. They rank 10th in uh, opposing quarterback rating at 88.8, and they're 4th in completion percentage. Also, they get pressure on the quarterback, too. Their 27 sacks are tied for 2nd in the NFL, and they are also 7th in pressure percentage. Uh, so, I think they can get some pressure on Justin Herbert, make him uncomfortable. That could be enough. And the Vikings on offense, too, they're 10th in total yards. Uh, Justin Jefferson's a stud. You got the running games working well. So I think it's a Vikings team. They're hungry for a win. They're trying to stay in it. They're coming off a crushing loss, so you'll know they'll be motivated. I think it's going to be the reverse because the Chargers are coming off uh, uh, an emotional win. Vikings coming off an emotional loss. I think the one team comes out a little bit flatter than the other, and I think the Vikings take that... They cover the spread. There you have it. Vikings plus three. Browns plus two and a half. Denver minus two and a half. That's all we got for you, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.